I'm Uncle Monster, and you're listening to Nutty Bites. I'm Uncle Monster, and you're listening to Nutty Bites. <laughs> I'm Uncle Monster, and you're listening to Nutty Bites. Hi, this is the real Uncle Monster, and you're listening to Nutty Bites. <laughs> Imposter! Hello, Mixed Nutcases. This is Nuke Chas, and you're listening to an intro to Ghibli episode of Nutty Bites. And this is where Tech and I are newbies, and we explore all the movies of Studio Ghibli, guided by our veterans, Jen and Jason. So with me today, of course, I have... Hi, I'm confused as to what Jason just made me watch. I mean, Tech. And our veterans... Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Jason. And it's just... What, it, it's just a cartoon. Ghibli. It's Come just on, a cartoon. Yeah, that's like saying Isao Takahata is just a movie maker, not an emotional blackmail artist. You know, so like some dramatic things happen. <laughs> and to be fair, under the category that it falls under, it's called a comedy drama. Uh, okay. That, that, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's fair. So, um... Let's start this out with our regular segment of Tech's 60-second summary. Oh, Imagine if Animal Farm was set in Japan and featured Ewoks instead of farm animals. I, I, I think it's probably the closest I can get to summarizing this movie up. It's like this Orwellian dystopian thing about human encroachment set with cutesy poo uh, Ewok forest creatures. And... Yeah. The closest thing I can think of in America would probably be Watership Down. That's not American. Yeah, but I watched it as a kid. Yeah. Okay. So it's 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 yeah it's it's Animal Farm, Watership Down, and Secret of Nim. Ooh. The gummy bears partying. The way that's how you get adults like me in tech. Let your kids watch those movies. So, uh, Tech, you wanted to, in addition to this summary, give mm. us a little history lesson. A very quick history lesson, because there's a lot of terms that we're going to bandy about back and forth, uh, being the Japanophiles that we are. And I just want to make sure that other people understand these terms very quickly. So, in Japan, there is a creature called a tanuki. Uh, it translates roughly to raccoon dog. It is not what we in North America think of as a raccoon. It's Kind of like a raccoon and kind of like a badger, but it's neither and it's not related to either of them. It's a completely separate species, but they have the puffy tails and the little black eye masks and they scavenge through your garbage and they look way too much like raccoons, but they're not raccoons. They're raccoon dogs. They're tanukis. And they it, are a subspecies of the Asian raccoon. Right. Right, but they're di- but they're different than the North American raccoon. So the other thing is that in in Japanese uh, in in the Shinto faith and in Japanese mythology, they are tricksters. They are forest spirits, and they um the the creature, the actual raccoon dog itself, will communicate in the woods by uh by pounding on its belly, which. Uh, has led to people thinking that when they hear this pounding on the belly of these raccoons, these raccoon dogs talking to each other, that it's these forest spirits having a party. So it has a name. It's Tanuki Tanuki Bayashi, which is Tanuki Orchestra, the sound of their drumming. And the sound of the drumming has a particular noise to it. It sounds like palm poco, palm poco, palm poco, palm poco, which is where the name of the movie comes from. That Pompoko is the sound of these little tanuki spirits beating on their bellies. The other, the other forest spirit that we have to talk about is the fox, the trickster, sly as a fox, which is in Japanese known as a kitsune or kitsune. But 
It's a it, it's a it's a shape shifting fox spirit, which uh, has we see it and other versions of it in other Miyazaki uh, films. You know, like many tailed foxes and shapeshifters, and it's a it, it's a big part of the mythology and a big big part of the mythology that uh, Miyazaki and Ghibli and Takahata put into their movies. And so concludes my my very quick history lesson on just so if I say Tanuki and I say raccoon or I say Kitsune and I say if I say fox, I mean the same thing. I'm just talking about the spirits. I'm just we're just going to bounce back and forth between the terms. I just wanted a little bit of a little bit of clarity there and uh, an explanation on what the title means. Just spirit things and just, uh, just spirit things. Just a little pom poco pom poco. I am patting my belly right now. Hmm. Maybe later we'll get up. We'll do a little belly pat. I'll show off my. Awesome Nutty Bites shirt. Wow, Nutty, who drew that? Uh, that would be me. And hey, notice it, it's all around us, this this new art. When you're looking for Nutty Bites, the art is different. Yes, we have a new logo. So if you don't see that logo, come Oh my check it gosh, out. we're surrounded by art. We're surrounded by art. Uh, so what I would like to do is I would like everyone to give their first reaction. So Tech and I will go first because we are the newbies. And then uh, Jen and Jason can try to tell us what their first reaction was, if they can recall. Um, my first reaction going in is I knew nothing about this except that it had raccoons um, and that uh, Jen did not want to watch it again. It made her sad and she said she sees it on the roads all the time. So I knew some raccoons were going to get run over. And um, I remember seeing like trailers and it reminded me that the gun of the gummy bears cartoon because mm. the way they bounce around. Um, so watching it, uh, I was delighted by the animation, by the joy, by everything. I was heartbroken and crushed by the sadness and the awfulness and the defeatism at the end. <laughs> I'm still recovering. We finished this. Uh, well, I guess we're coming on uh, 50 minutes ago now, uh, but it was like 15 minutes before we got everything together and to start recording. So, yeah, that's my first reaction. Tech, what was your first reaction? Uh, I knew it was raccoons. I knew Jen didn't want to watch it again, so I assumed that meant sad things happening to raccoons. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I knew very, I knew very little. Uh, that, that's all I knew. And I went in watching it. My first impression was one of... A little bit of disappointment that I didn't see the piles of dead animators that Miyazaki movies normally have into their backgrounds because the backgrounds didn't move. The backgrounds were static watercolor paintings. It was beautiful. But they were gorgeous yeah. static see, watercolor paintings. Takahata decided to kill his animators by making them put in savage. Like, <laughs> again, the wreck scenes, the just beautifully, fully rendered animation of animals and the interactions they have in with vehicles <laughs> i'm gonna make you draw 10 minutes of raccoons flirting <laughs> so jen jason what was what were your initial reactions if you can recall them so i totally remember watching this the first time um it's been some years for sure and i was okay with it i was a little upset by you know the animals are literally like losing their homes um, they're trying to adapt and I was a little upset by that. I remember really enjoying the animation, like y'all are saying. And then we had the roadkill. Yeah. When they first started killing off the raccoons in such a manner, I was like, oh, this is sad. 
you know, but in the back of my head, I'm like, this happens all the time. And this is why it happens all the time. So then I get on the road and go to work and there's, you know, a raccoon on the side of the road. And I totally cried. I totally cried. Was it, was he wearing a little scarf? There was no scarf. Or like a little vest maybe. But I do remember calling Jason and being like, I just saw Pompoco in real life. (laughs) I was like, I'm not okay. Yeah. He's not going home to his kids. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a special place for me in uh, the fiery pits because I keep introducing people to these things. And let's be let's be fair. This is the first time you all have seen anything from Isao Takahata. No, like we saw on, uh, oh. we saw only yesterday. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Only yep. yesterday, that's right. But see, that's like I swear, like that's like the most chill version of takahata it, like, it, it is who i thought it was yes okay but um yeah um only yesterday was actually kind of fun yeah, and, and enjoyable yeah i agree don't get me wrong he will raise your spirits when it comes to my neighbors the yamadas my neighbors the yamadas is by far his most upbeat thing and it's wonderful but this thing however whoo baby um and then after that boom pow grave of the fireflies which came no, first you were no. saying no, no, no. To be fair, you've also got uh, Prince, Tale of Princess Kaguya, which is by far my favorite of this. I okay. really like it, and he goes nuts with the animation on that. Um, but no, the first time I saw this, oh man, I the first thing I had to do is I actually watched it, and I was like, who did this? Like I, I looked it up, and I was like, okay, whew, it wasn't Miyazaki. And then I was like, but it explains why, because it's Takahata. And there's a distinct difference between Takahata's work and Miyazaki's work. Um me, uh, Takahata's work is very real. Um, regardless of how you want to put it, he uses fantastical elements, but it's still very, very much real. And that's why I kind of like him a little more than Miyazaki, even though we have a far larger library of Miyazaki work. Because again, I make the joke, they don't let this man out of his cage, but like every seven years, rest in peace. Like, like, they, like, they were like, all right, we'll let you make something. Then he makes it and they're like, oh, darn it, Takahata, get back in there. You know, because, uh, Miyazaki, had Miyazaki done the very same movie, he would have hidden it under another seven layers of metaphor, and it would have been, you know, purple raccoons on the planet Mars fighting against encroachment from, I don't know, snake people or something. Uh, But, you know, I'm thinking of uh, things like, you know, Nausicaa, which has another big, you know, powerful environmental message in it, but it's, you know, about giant space lobster monster creatures with Captain Picard voicing one of the characters for some inexplicable reason. Um, because his voice is amazing. Right. Or, you know, the other big one, you know, Princess Mononoke, which has something to do with, I don't know, people having an acid trip in the forest. I don't know. I was so mad watching that movie. I didn't pay much of it to pay much attention. Um, Watch the 13 year old girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the audience when I gave my live review of that movie. But uh, hey, sorry, not sorry. I, I am what I am. But this. Uh, Takahata, like you said, true to the uh, true to the chest, right? Like 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 true to the heart. It's it's he has a story. He has a, he has a thing he wants to tell you, and by gosh, he's gonna tell you. No, it. I mean, you talk about Mononoke. People are beheaded in Mononoke. People's arms are ripped off. Oh yeah, Mononoke. it's bloody. Like, yeah, but you don't even think about that when it comes to it, it being a Miyazaki film because of the, it's so quick. And it's a lot of it's at distance. Like um, a lot of the things he does in the movie, it's through arrows. It's not up mm. close and very brutal. I it's don't. Not- I don't remember those violent scenes in Mononoke. 
like of the beheading and all that. But I will tell you that I don't think I'm going to forget that roadkill scene ever. Yeah, I think I think the emotionally it was a lot more brutal in this movie. It's and it's and again painstakingly animated. Like it's not this isn't like a cutaway or like a sound effect or no, it's everything. You, you get sound effects, you get the animation, you get the whole thing. And the worst part about it is this was done with a Ghibli studio, Ghibli production team. So these Foley effects mm-hmm. and all that stuff is top notch. The, the worst thing I could expect to hear is I expect to go on like IMDb or Wikipedia and read that in order to get the animation done properly, they ran over 74 raccoon dogs to get the animation down properly. I can just see this like team of animators on the side of the road with like their eyes propped open with like those those Ludvotico devices from Clockwork Orange. Just you're going to watch this thing get smushed and you're going to draw it. You got me? You 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 are destroying Jin. Do you do you not see her face going? That never occurred to me. Now I'm gonna have nightmares. Here's the worst part. Uh, one of the special features on Spirited Away is Miyazaki with a production team out in the world recording the sounds of the actual Audi car driving mm-hmm. over cobblestones that mm-hmm. they drive over in the thing. So. You saying that is not too far from the truth. Oh, no, no, no. No, and uh, I can just imagine, you know, the news, uh, like the, 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 the reporter reading it on the news, and uh, 74 animators working for Isao Takahata killed... Oh, I, I'm sorry, hold on. I, I have an update here. 74 animators working for Isao Takahata boarded a golden ship to, to yeah. float under the Rainbow Bridge to go to paradise. 808. 808 animators. <laughs> they completed production on his new film. Like, <laughs> so I think we're done with our initial impressions and rolling into our our plot summary. So if you haven't watched this movie and you're still listening to this, you're gonna get spoiled. Okay, obviously we've spoiled you on the fact that lots of them die, uh, <laughs> but um, that's okay. They get a couple humans in the end too. They 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 take out a couple humans too. Um, take that humans. It is about a, you know, suburban expansion. Uh, too many people in Tokyo. They need to expand. And so they're cha- the, turning the forest into big suburbs. The Tama Hills. Yes, the Tama Hills. It is for 300,000 people in a 12 mile, a uh, 12 square foot mile. What, what? 12 square mile? 12 square mile. That's it. That, I could get the terminology right. So like, that's. That's about the size of the town you live in, right? With a population three times the town we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and so basically you're not just built. It's like, it's different if you, you know, people talk about urban sprawl. This isn't urban sprawl, but I mean, it is, but it's up. It's It's, urban sprawl. It's not sprawl. It's sproing. So like when, when they say suburbs in, in Japan, they mean something very different than what we mean as suburbs in North America. Yeah, now, but to- I grew up... Like, in- Tokyo Metro's 30 million people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I grew up in what I thought were the suburbs, and then I moved to Canada and realized, oh, no, 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 they think that's a city. Um, no, what I think of as a city is suburbs in Japan. So there's there's levels. So think that Japan has roughly the size, is roughly the size of California. Mm-hmm. California has one-tenth the population of the United States, about 35, 30, 35 million people. Japan has 10 times the population of California. So it has the population of the United States all living in California. Yeah. 
and it's an island. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so it's not like, you know, realist, like, let's say theoretically they wanted to expand California. They could move some borders and do that. You can't make more of an island. No, you really can't. You can't, you can't expand. They do all the time. They built a whole bunch around Tokyo. They just, they just pour sand into the water and make more land. Yeah, that's not really it. This is why those, this is why those raccoons showed up later talking about their water was poisoned because they were dumping dirt. Exactly. Right. And, and this is why that one airport keeps sinking. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there's many problems with that. So the other thing I do want to mention is in the English dub and the way that we as North Americans view it, we see this as raccoons. They're actually tanuki, which are part of the Kinid family. It's yeah, they're raccoon dogs. Yeah. They're raccoon dogs. They're not what we think of as raccoons, but they're that's fine. Lovable, they're not those lovable trash pandas. Cause wait for it. I mean, I don't know like what our raccoons eat. I know they scavenge. So I don't, and I also don't know if they're carnivores. Like they're hunting. omnivores. They'll eat anything. They're omnivores. They, they, they will eat anything and they will use tools. Yes. Yes, they will because they have thumbs and it's creepy. Uh, okay, when we went to Virginia to visit you guys, we noticed that a lot of your animals were really small, like what you called uh, deer and cows. Like they, they were kind of small in comparison to what we're used to. Can you give us a size with your hands of how big you, raccoons are? How big is a raccoon? Yeah, like because your squirrels were minuscule. I would say the only squirrel we have remotely close to y'all squirrels would be a fox. Not squirrel, squirrel. Uh, raccoon. They're, they're, but now raccoons, I would say raccoons are the size of like a small dog, like a Dorothy dog, like our, like your Dorothy. Jack Russell. Yeah, Jack Russell. Like a Jack Russell would All be right, a, the size a, of our. Adorable. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah, absolutely. Think, yeah. think of the biggest mailbox you can think of. Put legs and a tail on it. Like you cannot get your arms around a good North American raccoon, so, like the ones that we have. So the ones that we have, and and they're they come in varying sizes, anywhere from say Dorothy to um a full size corgi is what we're experiencing. Yeah, we're talking thirty, forty pounds a raccoon. Jason's trying to, to talk. Fair. Now, to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, have to be built a little tougher to sustain to withstand the cold. Just say, yeah. Well, that that's why we're bringing this up because animals are different up here. They have to be hardier, stoutier. They need to have extra fat so they can survive the winter. They okay, need yeah. to be fine if they get shot by Nerf darts and just laugh at you. Okay, so this is a one thing we have to talk about yes. uh, 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 about these raccoon dogs, about these tanuki. Is that this is based on um, Japanese mythology, mm-hmm. and that this is something North American people might not know is that Japan is very far away and is a very different culture. So they think of things and they have things there that are very different than what we have in North America because their culture was not founded by Puritans. So some things are and are going to be a little weird to a North American audience. Like the Tanuki statues, when you see a statue of the little raccoon dog, he is sitting on, well, what they call in the movie is a pouch. He's sitting on his testicle. There, there is a, I don't know why it's a thing. I'm not that, that immersed into the culture, but I can tell you that, yep, they have large giant pouches that they use to they, they stretch them and turn them into costumes they make one into a bridge to crash a truck they turn them into super mario world style flying capes to hover around town um 
What I find really funny is, according to IMDb, the English dubbed version censors all references to testicles. (laughs) I saw a lot of references. Like, the last time I saw testicles that big... Oh, sorry, Jen, go ahead. I was going to say, did anybody else say ow, like when the truck was going across and (laughs) had all the coons sitting on... Yeah, no. To be fair... Ow. To be fair... The Clancy Brown raccoon <laughs> killed three humans by teabagging. Yeah, yeah. And I and just I have no problems with this. I just kept getting reminded of that episode of South Park where all the men in the village exposed themselves to microwave radiation. <laughs> and they were jumping around. They were jumping around on their testicles like giant hippity hops so they could get med- okay, medicinal pouches, marijuana. Pouches, 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 yes, <laughs> on their pouches. Um I just I remember at the start of this movie, like watching it, and when the first time you see a tanuki stand up, it's like, why do all the males have like pronounced animated testicles? Like this is a this is a bold choice from Takahata. This is how he's differentiating his male from females. I mean, so, this is a bold. Oh, that's why he did it. So and, I believe I said at the beginning of this film, I said, you know, everybody talks about the cod piece in the labyrinth, but nobody, when talking about Pompoko, mentions this. It's it again. The first time I watched it, it went right by me. Like it went right by. I me. I didn't notice till Tech said something, and then I noticed. So and I, I could not notice. My first thought was, I, uh, I as the movie started, it's like this is amazing, and I love how they transform yeah. from like realistic looking Tanuki, and then all of a sudden they transform into these anthropomorphized forest spirits that are wearing clothing, and they're sumo fighting, and as the war between the two rival Tanuki gangs is going on, they're changing shape, and they're changing costumes, and they all get drunk and have a party, and like every medieval Japanese stereotype is all together in this one big scene having a party. I'm like, I need to show this to my niece. I think my niece would love this movie. And then they start flying around on their gigantic testicle hippity pouches pouch hippity hop kites and just i cannot show this to my niece there's a ever. lot of um <laughs> using their power for good uh we have a scroll in the house that was given to us by our dojo and um we got it translated by a friend and uh it's it's jiggery kano right jiggero kano the founder yeah. of the sport of judo we have some of his calligraphy on the wall. It says, use your power for good. But what it means. Yeah. Well, the character for power is, could be translated as masculine power, which in this sense means martial power. It means strength. It means use your martial arts. It means you always try to use your martial prowess for good. But what it could also mean is the other definition of masculine strength, power, and virility and telling us to use that for good. Well, and one of the things that our translator did tell us is a man of that generation would definitely say use your sperm for good and mean it in this sense. So like it's a very uh it's a thinking of the time. Hmm. So like considering when this is, it it, it does make sense. So I kept pointing to our scroll. <laughs> Jason, you were gonna say something? So um this came out in nineteen ninety four. Yes. And so I'm just trying to imagine what because I wanna I try to put myself in the headspace of Takahata as to why he would want to make this. Because again, one of the things we've no, go ahead. Uh, just want to say the idea was Miyazaki's and then Takahata wrote it. That's where the idea you know, came from. To be fair, we don't need them to collaborate. 
Like, I think we've decided. They have to be separate. It's bad enough. This is a good collaboration. I think so, too, yeah. I like how Takahata did the whole realism part But it's traumatizing. Because it's seriously real. Absolutely. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like, Takahata's bad enough by himself. Like but, he's legitimately traumatizing by himself. I don't think but, I don't think but, it can be. I don't think we could classify anything as a good movie if it didn't make you feel something. Agreed. Very true. And and I think this it, you know it also branches out and makes you want to talk about it because Miyazaki, we know Miyazaki is an activist. Miyazaki donates to preserving forests and all this other stuff. He has crazy amounts of activism and and you know save the planet talk and all that good stuff throughout all his work. But I think, again, the reason why he allowed Takahata to take this idea is because Takahata took it and went way beyond what Miyazaki would have done. Because Miyazaki, again... But it still had Miyazaki's lesson in it. Absolutely. But I just, I think because he let Takahata do this, this is just like some of Takahata's stuff you can let children watch. But not all of it. Which one? Which which Takahata movie would be children friendly? My Neighbors the Yamadas. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, that's uh, our next movie, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tale of Princess Kaguya would. I would say for older kids because it's the it's his it's his interpretation of Tale of the Bamboo Cutter. Um, so it would imagine if like I don't know uh, Spielberg or somebody did a, a version of Little Red Riding Hood or something. That's kind of the equivalent. Um, but because Takahata can go and say things in different ways than Miyazaki because of Miyazaki's brand. It's that gut punch that you get with this that you wouldn't have gotten if Miyazaki had done it. Like we all know the lessons that he teaches in Kiki and Spirited Away and uh, Howl's Moving Castle when it comes to like vanity and war and stuff like that. But they all are glossed over in a way that make them easier to digest. There's not much Takahata does that is easy to digest. Um, And he shows that throughout this whole thing. I mean – even when he talks about sex, which he talks about in this, um, he even talks about like how kind of foolish it was for them to try not to have sex. Like, mm. yeah, like, like he because, you well, know, f- even f- for, for, late- con- for context to the fans who haven't listened, who haven't watched the movie. This is the raccoons deciding that they needed to concentrate on stopping the encroachment of humans into their forest. Yeah. So they decide to put off ho- uh, put off having more cubs. Yeah. Until the war is won, and they last exactly a year before they. Let's not they create more mouths to feed. Was right. the idea? It wasn't so much about sex as it was about like uh, uh, food scarcity. And I loved how the women were put in charge of saying no, and then we get then we get a montage of like the most beautiful judo of like <gasps> so good of like these raccoon advances getting rebuffed by beautiful dropping shoulder throws <laughs> so i will say like i was a little bothered by the fact like that the women had to physically stop the men and then the next year when everybody's all in you've got the one um the one uh raccoon who's um He's he's hurt and he's healing, so his legs still in a cast and his arms in a cast. And she, the same woman that we saw do a judo throw on him is like, "Oh no, don't chase me!" And she's going super super slow. And you're like, "Oh, okay." Uh huh. This it made it less. It made the first montage less problematic. I think uh, at least because it again. What fragile ma- male ego exists in the raccoon community too? <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of like that that culture of like the samurai where, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Better yet, the um the the young male raccoon uh, who's actually voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, JTT. Um, the teen beat cover model. <laughs> yeah. We're like, man, I know that voice. How do I know that voice? Yeah, Shokichi, he's all like, oh, you know, we don't need to hug or kiss or do anything like that. We're great. And she's like, nah, fam, give me that kiss. <laughs> she has been playing him and, 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 and flirting with him since the last spring. I mean, and he was just... Late bloomer. Yeah, I think it gives them a really good agency for the female characters. Because if you watch, almost all the female characters are awesome. Like the elder who stops their war between the two headstrong male male. You mean, you mean Tress? Yes. Tress She's McNeil. fantastic. Oh, and I love if, Tress McNeil. You know, to, even towards the end of the movie, she's the reason why the news broadcast gets out. Because yeah. the male who goes out there gets gunshot and freezes up and can't do it he can't transform he can't he can't perform yeah so and, that guy by the way and i know we were going to talk about cast later but since we're talking about it, that guy tech and i are like i know that voice i'm thinking winnie the pooh but i don't know it's owl it's owl from winnie the pooh yep it's oh. andre stochki stochka stoika stoika yeah it's again there's a fantastic jk simmons is in this movie yes yeah, though the, there's a there the one one quick little takeaway Say that I got on. from this where the where the uh, raccoons are learning to transform and they start they start going into human society a little bit more and they talk about the amazing amount of energy and concentration it takes to maintain a form, especially one as complicated as a human. It's like so if you ever see a human with dark circles under their eyes, that's the mask of the raccoon that's starting to show, and that. Humans, uh, in human form, they started to to drink a lot of energy drinks. So if you start going to a store and you see a proliferation of these high sugar energy drinks, that's just because of the raccoons that are in your community. Wait, so, so are we saying that Mountain Dew is run by a bunch of raccoons? Red yeah. Bull, Red, just imagine Red Bull. It's just this whole this whole crowd of like Austrian raccoons sitting in the Alps somewhere, just chittering away, just. Pounding away sugary drinks. Well, they say Red Bull gives you wings, and we saw when they transformed, they could fly. Well, there was that one very old Tanuki that could fly by flapping his ears and two mm-hmm. helium balloons. Yeah, dude, it's like there's just so many cute things that are literal. His, Takahata does adorable things to literally point out problems he feels are in society. So like, I got a lot of notes about the problems with society that is in here. <laughs> so right away, uh, when... J- j- b- before we get to that, yeah. I have to ask Jen a question, because you just watched this movie again, right, Jen? Okay, yep. so if you just watched it again, d- did you notice any nods to other Ghibli films during the Ghost Parade? Honestly, I didn't notice. Okay, so so, so during, the go- <laughs> during the Ghost Parade, when all the ghosts and demons and spooky things are flying by... The plane from Porco Rosso flies by. I knew you'd see that one. Of course. It's a Savoy 20 in bright red with the Italian colors on the tailplane. Of course I saw it. Hello, plane nerd. A Totoro. Uh, A Totoro on his his acorn flew away under an umbrella just following behind Porco Rosso's plane. And the ones I didn't catch but I found on IMDb is Mm -hmm. Kiki is in there and Yun... Young uh, Teiko from Only Yesterday can be seen flying just above the winged skeleton. And 
there's a reference to another Miyazaki movie that had not actually been made yet. So I'm thinking that it's actually a reference to this movie in Spirited Away. Um, the, there's three, the head at the end that the raccoons come together to make. Yeah. Looks like, um, yeah. The three heads in Spirited Away. Yeah, you're right. It does. You're right. Apparently all seven, the, the seven lucky gods, the seven gods of Shinto fortune are all in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Are all in that scene. I recognized a couple of them. There was a lot. There were so many. I, so I would have to things. rewatch over and over again. We only rewatched it once. Um, so problems with society. All right. So hang on. Uh, one other reference, mm. um, is when they're learning to transform and they said, don't you have to put a leaf on your head first? It says a leaf on your head is for amateurs. Wait. Are you saying Totoro's an amateur? That's what she's saying. That's what she's saying. Untransforms. He has the giant leaf. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when it starts with the encroachment of uh, the the raccoons into the forest from the farmlands, there's all sorts of fighting and issues. And all I could hear in my head was, they took our rats. They took our rats. Um, And I'm like, okay, is this an immigration story? Yes, it is. Tempura. They're tempura rats. And then... Tempura is so good. Oh, good. Okay, how about we keep some of the humans alive so we can keep getting tempura'd mouse? <laughs> yes. Um, then we've got... Uh, oh, it, this is about overpopulation concerns, which is a huge concern in Japan and, really? and throughout the world. And then uh, I, I write down, Miyazaki, your environmentalism is showing... <laughs> So think about it. One of the two biggest social commenters in Japan is one, the glass ceiling in corporate business yep. for women, uh, women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, also, one of the problems is that a lot of younger men are having issues approaching women because women have become more and more independent in Japan. So it's it's serious. It's a serious thing. Like that, that men they they, they just they out, don't have the skills. Yeah, they don't yeah. have the social skills to to wade these waters. But also the the cross of the old with the new. Yep. One of the things we see in this is that the older raccoons are trying to hold onto this old way of life. Whereas the young ones were trying to say, well, you know, maybe we can live beside humans like we used to, or maybe we can learn to live among them. Cause, and one of the things they don't even talk about on those islands is that those raccoons learn to live alongside the humans. Like yeah. they imitate humans really, really well. Uh, but, I'm I'm I was siding with Gunta right away. Let's just kill all the humans because they're awful. And then later on, we get the Uncle Tom uh, Kitsune. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, there was, and then and then before we started this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Jason to go into this, but I didn't think about this, but you mentioned the parallels with the Ainu. Absolutely, it's the parallels to the Ainu people, which are the native the native American the native Japanese. Who lived there before the actual Japanese got there? In, I'm sorry in, uh, to interrupt, but the Native American Japanese. <laughs> sorry, they, they are they are the indigenous peoples of the islands yeah. of Japan. Yes, the, par- the parallels to how they were encroached upon and removed violently, and just horrible atrocities performed against them is just is present throughout this whole thing. Because I mean, think about it. Like now, I think it's uh, I want to say it's. The northern part of Japan. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, that, the northernmost island. Yeah, is where there a lot of their traditions are still are, and you can find a lot of the indigenous people there. And in this, the one place that was actually peaceful and okay were the two islands. And, I mean, these guys went and sought out the masters of this old tradition 
who were safe on these islands. Like these problems never came to these people until these guys came and were like, Hey, uh, see, like, uh, kind of need your help, you know, cause we've, we've been here so long. We forgot what to do. And that's again, Takahata being like, you know, if you forget where, if you forget the past, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Like, and it just, he says a lot in this thing, like well, a lot. I mean, and I think the, it's really interesting because we get the, the one island that figured out how to make it work. And then the other island that didn't. Yeah, because their masters of uh, transformation was killed. Yeah. And eaten. Yeah. And as you said, Tech, before we recorded, that was the thing that happened after World War Two, mm-hmm. where yeah. they were eating animals that they just necessarily didn't eat. They would eat anything to survive. Like after the after the firebombing of Japan and two nuclear bombs dropped, there was nothing left. This country was destroyed by a war with you know millions dead. And the populace was starving and they resorted to whatever methods they had. I mean, the starvation of the Japanese people is one of the signature movies of Takahata, the one that he made before this. It's the Grave of the Fireflies. It's the reason why I'm not watching it. Now, I think that, you know, you give him a couple layers of metaphor and you give him something like this where he can bring that up and makes a very valid and watchable a very a very poignant point but you're right he makes it watchable yeah um and it's not just watching people starve to death it's yeah you're watching a cutesy poo raccoon tell a story of how another raccoon was starving to death and got shot and killed by a hunter um just tacking on to what jason had said about the ainu uh according to the government there are currently twenty five thousand ainu living in japan but other sources claim there are up to two hundred thousand now we talked about how many people live just in tokyo so let that sink in um and that is from uh tofugu.com is where that source comes from just oh, in case and anybody wants to check my stats. One of the things he also shows in this, which again can be a thing where he's t- kind of talking about stereotype because mm-hmm. the narration in this is really, really good for that. It's like, so the raccoons did something really, really good and they, they actually got part of their step plan going. So what did they do? They started celebrating. and got really lazy and he, he hammers his home that rac- like, unlike the foxes who were known to be cunning, they are known for being lazy mm-hmm. and even, even one of the raccoons later on says, why do humans say cunning like a fox and not cunning like a raccoon? And Clancy Brown, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. I don't care what humans say, rah, rah, rah. But it's, again, a very good point that Takahata proposes in this by just mentioning it. But and I think good- I think it's interesting because how much does the stereotype influence your actual behavior? Because if you look at the fox, they're, they still died. <laughs> They still had mm-hmm. problems. They still died. And, and it doesn't mean that they're actually cunning, but rather they live a different way. So like, how much does this stereotype influence what you're doing? Yeah. And it's, and I do like the fact that that fox approaches them with that deal and you think that guy's going to take it, but in reality, he actually <laughs> continue. I'm just in full agreement here. Yeah, but in reality, he uses it to trick all of them. And it's so good. I love when it so much. When he turns the giant angry cat luck statue and takes all their money and then floats away. 
That was so great. I was cheering so much. I was like, oh, man, there, that is so awesome. So I, I had uh, I, I had a, an observation at this point where when the when the one of the there's the three old master raccoons and when the first one passes away, he has a, they have a, a, a memorial ceremony for him back at the raccoon village. And the one raccoon leading the ceremony tells this whole story about his past and the things that he had done and how he had started doing this. And I, I can't remember it right now. I'm just drawing a giant blank on this story. Uh, there but, was a conflict. He sided with the other side and right. people were killed. And then he went to the island and there he learned to live with humans. And this yeah. whole complicated... He had a more complicated backstory than main characters in other movies I've seen. He was more fleshed out than the main characters in most animated Disney films. I can see why Disney bought Ghibli. Now they can say we make the best animated movies on the planet. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk a movie about... You want to talk about a movie about an indigenous people being subjugated by another race and the encroachment of their lands and the destruction of their people? Watch this. Don't watch Pocahontas. Yeah, Poco a million times better than Pocahontas. Oh, did you like The Little Mermaid? Did you want to see a good one? Watch Ponyo. Yeah. Uh, for, for listeners of this podcast, you know we hate Pocahontas. So oh my. <laughs> it's so great to have something to steer people in towards. Savages, savages. Oh, no, no, okay, 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 okay. We're not How singing that on How did Disney the record that as a song? Yeah. You know what? I'm still trying to wonder how they got a Blu-ray release of Dumbo. Still trying to figure that out. Cause, cause the, cause, oh, have you never, have you not seen the new Dumbo? Like, I'm not the new Dumbo. I'm sorry, not the new Dumbo, but the old cartoon. Oh, you mean, you mean like the crows that are, yeah. Oh, not even the crows. There's just a song about blacks being happy to serve. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that, that movie in a long time because I remember it tearing up my soul when I was a kid, but geez. There's a literal song where there's black slaves, basically. Oh, are they the ones setting up the, the, yes. And they talk That's horrible. Happy they work. Yep. Yep. No, I remember that now. I was like, my God. I did not block that out. That was, that was pretty bad. I remember having conversations. Disney. About that one. Disney. Hashtag problematic. Hashtag, hashtag like, problematic. In his defense, that did come out in 1941. To be yeah, to be fair, it did. But this movie came out in 1967, so it wasn't too far removed, and it's far better. I I I will say um, what movie came out in? No, this movie was set in 67. It came out in 94. I'm sorry, Grave yeah. Fireflies came out in 1967, which is better than Dumbo. Really, I, really? How old is Takahata? Uh, wait, before he died, he was old, bro. He was oh. old. Yeah, Grave of the Fireflies. I'm sorry, not 1967. Grave of the Fireflies came out in 1988, yeah. but it was based on a 1967 semi-autobiographical short story. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to say. So it's, Yukino, it's, Saga, it's still yeah. old. It's, he's, he's still relatively old. I will, I, I, I will say, yes, Dumbo came out in a different time. I will also say that they were still wrong. <laughs> I I will say that Pocahontas came out and, and, and it was a different time, and they were very wrong. Uh I there are so many times when people are like it was a different time and I'm like yeah you know what being a bad person doesn't have a time limit you don't get to be a bad person in a different time but that's just my mini rant uh, uh it's you know it's again like Takahata and his he again I think again Miyazaki because he wanted to be like Disney his work has that Disney feel to it, that fancifulness, that cartoonness, 
Whereas I think Takahata just wanted to make films and his films just happened to be animated. Yeah. I, I, I think he, I think I, I love like these metaphors were heavy metaphors. I mean, transforming and passing as humans. Okay. Like that has serious metaphor connotations, you know, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, we, we had a conversation where we talked about code switching when you were here. Yeah. You guys were visiting and What's a way for what would be a good analogy for that for something that is not human to or perceived not as human to pretend it's human? So oh, it absolutely. Pass. Well, I mean, I just any style of passing. I was just listening to um, stuff you missed in history class and they were covering, I believe it was Ida B. Wells and talking about how she would pass and she would get uh, uh, criticized for this. And her thing was like, I'm not going to educate people uh, for their own ignorance, but that like that is 100% a thing throughout history and so they you know this is a heavy-handed metaphor and yet it it works you know i'm still entertained it's still watchable and i'm not mad at it i mean even when he at the end and the friend looks at the camera and says and what happened to all the other animals who can't transform they didn't disappear and transform into humans <laughs> Yes, like, we know they died. <laughs> dude, it's and I feel to to be fair, I think this is probably the most down to just down to earth that they talk about death in any of the Ghibli movies. Yeah. Like just any of the either Miyazaki or Takahata. I I know it is addressed somewhat in Spirited Away. Um and war is yeah. addressed in Howl's Moving Castle, but this one is just it just it's like look, dog, they died. Yeah. Real talk. Like what was they couldn't adapt. That's yep. what happened. We can't have babies because they're going to starve. So like, we don't have the food. And that's, again, another World War II analogy because, mm -hmm. wait for it, you couldn't afford to have kids at that point. Like, yeah. you just couldn't. Can I can I Go. talk about a problem I have with the movie? Go ahead. I had a couple problems. Okay. So being that it's a story about Shinto spirituality and about four spirits, there's a lot of Shinto in this movie. There's a lot of, you know, you see the 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 tanuki wearing shinto robes and it's all around shrines and they turn into little tanuki statues and you've got a lot of testicles uh anyway there's there's all this stuff going on and there's a couple of times where they're giving prayers and you see them like make the hand gestures mm -hmm. and then you hear the droning chant but it's all been translated into english but it's very definitely set in a buddhist shinto prayer chant as they're all doing a chant but it's in english and then it ends and they go amen oh do they really say yes amen? they added an amen to the end of it so we all knew it was a prayer and i th i i really didn't like that, that. makes me cringe i did did not notice that I was going to give them props for one of the things that I do like is that they dub these movies, but they don't change the characters' names. Yes, and I was going to give them props for that, but then amening at the prayer. Uh, yeah, the the, the amen the uh, yeah it, it, it was cringe. It was very very weird. It sort of threw me out uh, a little bit. Um, it's going to be one of my big minus ones in the score at the end of this. Uh, to be fair, I do – when it comes to a lot of things that are heavy in Shinto, Spirited Away is also super heavy in yeah, Shinto. of course. Um, it's hard to translate a lot of those things because some of those things do not have an English translation. Mm -hmm. So the closest approximation they can find is an ah man to help accentuate what that is. So I give them 
a slight, slight pass, especially because this did come out in 1994. Um, but it's so just weird. It's just weird that they played everything else, you know, so close to yeah. the written word, and then they take that one liberal translation, and it's just so far and so weird compared to the other translation that was also very close that it sort of threw me out. And maybe we're being extra sensitive because mm. it does feel like certain groups of people like to push Christian sure. onto anything to say, it's okay, you can like it if, it, if we put slap a Christian thing on it. An- another, uh, an- another thing. So there's a scene where they're talking about the urban encroachment and you see all of the raccoons around their TV and they have an original Famicom. And they're playing Urban Encroachment, the 8-bit video game, as you're playing Tanuki's trying to survive as this human village encroaches on you. Why don't I have that game? I want that game. I was waiting. I'm like, how is this a problem? Oh, the problem is you don't have this game. By the way, if you ever remember Family Guy and the whole, uh, you smoking yet? Like, Mm. do you get it yet? Smoke. Smoke. Shut up, Carl. Smoke. Um, so a couple, couple of things. Um, there are times when I'm like, is this supposed to mean that? Is this supposed to mean, I'm not going to go through every little detail. I will say that, um, I vote for, and I'm going to ask everyone what your thoughts are, but I, I vote for the militant, violent way. When they started offing humans, I thought that was the right way to go. And when they stopped offing them is when things started sliding down. So, uh, what, what, what path do you choose for these? To be fair, to be fair, the masters told them straight up when they got there. They were like, look, the reason why humans don't do this where we live is because they get it. They know that something terrible will happen to them if they do it. They're scared of us. And I, and I think because of the belief in Shintoism, which is also, again, analogized through the conflict of the old ways and the new ways with the industrialization and expansion versus the Shinto belief, you're upsetting these spirits. Everything in Shintoism, everything has a spirit. So if you destroy something that that spirit inhabits, it's going to be pissed off. So yeah, man, if Clancy Brown wants to teabag a bunch of humans and cause them to wreck, I'm I'm with Clancy Brown on this one. I think the uh, I think the uh, the the spirits parade was wonderful. I think I think they should have kept going with it because because uh, it was working. By the way, one of the best scenes in this movie is when you've got Maurice Lamarche. And and uh, John, uh, John DiMaggio, DiMaggio. <laughs> drunk at a bar. Do you believe in ghosts? Nah, ghosts aren't real. I used to believe in that stuff when I was a kid. Meanwhile, <gasps> the behind is just these like creepy demon ghost things, and it goes on for so long. Like I, that was just beautiful. But it's the fact that it's the brain from Pinky yeah. and the Brain and Bender. Yeah, I love it when he finally turns around and goes. Monsters are real. <laughs> See? We start talking about monsters, you start seeing them. Power of suggestion. Jen, how do you think the raccoons should handle it? As much as I was okay with them killing off humans, there's not enough of them, of raccoons themselves, to actually hold them off. Yeah. So I think they should have followed along with the foxes, to be honest. Mm, okay. I think, I think they should have adapted. Mm. Um, and I understand that some of the um, raccoons can't transform, and they were perfectly happy going off being raccoons with their shortened you know? lifespan and many of them dying. Yeah, yeah. And the ones that decided to party into the sunset—I mean, on a because you might get hit by a car tomorrow. 
oh, yeah. we need to talk about that, but let's go. Jason, how do you think they should have ended oh, the he, war? Oh, he agreed okay. with me. Okay. Violence. Thanks. Can we talk it, about the boat now? Yeah, the floating, the floating. So the mass suicide. The floating pouch. The floating pouch. Okay, so they, they after living his 999 years, all of the raccoons of the village came together and transformed his pouch, so they grabbed him by the nutsack and turned it into a floating barge of happiness and lucky cat statues well, and golden coins. was the giant sail that was going to take them. Right, yep. and the golden sail that it was going to take them to paradise. And, and it all was of, filled with all the items that you put at a funeral. <laughs> right, and all of the raccoons that couldn't transform joined him on this trip and they had a beautiful party that lasted well into the night and they floated down the river until no one could see them they killed themselves there was a mass suicide they went all jonestown up in the tama woods hey tech Hmm? actually they just committed seppuku no 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 because they're not ashamed seppuku is when you fail your master they didn't fail their master they decided we can't win so we're gonna go out by our well, own go, choosing. Yeah, because, because no, but it could be seppuku because uh, to uh, to lose the war would be dishonorable. So mm. they left at their strength, so that they ne- they never would have lost. You know, it's like it's it's, it's like a it's like a boxer who has a winless who has a a perfect streak. He's never lost a fight, yeah. and then just before he fights a really tough opponent, he goes, "Hey, you know what? I retire. Ha <laughs> ha! I've never lost." Uh, I think that uh, Gunta's group, you know, when Gunta and his warriors and they turn themselves into that big scary head and then sit in front of a truck very purposefully i think that was seppuku so jason what do you think was because there's three definite art styles that we see of the raccoons there's the one where they're hyper realistic tanuki raccoon dogs there's one where they're anthropomorphized as people and they wear clothes and then every now and then there's a scene where they turn into an incredibly simplistic line drawing what do you think the meaning of that third art style is because i i was confused by it can i say something yeah so when they turned into their simple parts was when they were partying and it was at that time that they mentioned that raccoon that uh raccoons were very lazy creatures so this is a very simple outline in their simplest form and no i I get that I, I get that, Jim, but the problem is, is that that scene where they die, where the giant floating head made up of all the tanukis gets smooshed by the truck. When they die, they all turn into that simple art form, that simple yeah. art style again. I think, I think that means that like there's the least energy. I also think that it's a symbol of them being happy. Like you never see them that simply drawn oh. when they're upset. So like that's the the way of saying they're at peace now. Let's not look at their bloody. They died during war. They were okay yeah. with. Or right. when they're t- action, because when they're taking action, a lot of their most action-based actions were when they were the highly stylized, yeah. Uh, yeah. actual tanuki forms, like running through tall grass and attacking and rolling and jumping. Um, <laughs> again, by the way, you saw the fleeting lives of animators in those scenes, like when they would, <laughs> yeah, they would go from the cartoony to the the roll, the bounce, and then they're suddenly running through moving foliage and leaves, and there's so much shadowing and detailing. I'm like, oh my god, they're dying. By the way, this whole changing of art style, this is where One Punch stole it from, and that's great. Absolutely. But you know, it's also funny, I I mentioned this earlier with Dumbo, but one of the things about that sequence of Dumbo, when they are building the tent, some of the most simplistic Mm -hmm. animation in that entire movie depicts those characters building that and oh, it's yeah. it, again 
again, he wanted to be the Ghibli was formed to be the Disney of Japan. So I don't think they took inspiration from Dumbo. I think that Dumbo's thing was not intended as anything but racism. Oh, absolutely. Theirs wasn't racism, but I think, again, Takahata and Miyazaki are smart. I think Takahata could have used that shift to mean something in his work, whereas theirs was not. So Um, if, if Disney routinely gets it wrong in their interpretation of stories and the Ghibli movies tend to get it on those same stories, get it more correct, does this mean that we need to see a Miyazaki version of Br'er Rabbit? No, <laughs> because that's just better left unshown. What'd you say, Jen? Isn't that Watership Down? <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. I mean, they're rabbits, but... Oh, God. <sighs> All right, so uh, are there any notes that we haven't addressed? Uh, oh, one of the things I have to say is that the number 808 kept coming up throughout the movie, that there were 808 raccoons. Uh, there are three fables in Japanese mythology, the three tales of the Tanuki. One of them is called 808 Raccoons, which is what this movie was based on. Cool. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to the narration, having a narrator uh, again. Uh, and they even did the whole unreliable narrator yeah. thing where the voice changed yep. partway through. but And, and, and um, Arrested Development. We see where you got this from. You know, they do something, they have a plan, and it goes, that was a mistake. <laughs> and having oh. it be Maurice LaMarche was great. Oh, so good. So, um, one thing I will say, if, if you if you guys watch this and you like the, the, the topics and conversation we have about Japanese uh, mythology and folklore, um, there's an anime called Mushishi. Um, Mushishi is about the interaction of humans with japanese fairies which are the mushishi like basically it's very shinto and it's like the natural functions that happen in nature and the spirits that cause us to happen and the side effects of what happens when humans and them interact with one another it's really really good um because each episode is just a containerized story about a guy who's who's a mushi where he goes and he knows remedies and the lore of these creatures and how to fix these problems like there's one where a guy is possessed by a mushi, a mushishi, and he doesn't sleep. But the longer he doesn't sleep, the more tired his body gets, and he will die from this. But the mushi is the mushishi is what keeps him alive, and it. But he thinks it's a good thing because he can harvest and do all this stuff for the village and everything like that. But whereas the main character comes up and tells him, "Like dog, I get it. You think this is great." Like, but you will kill yourself doing this, and it's just a side effect of the mushi. And it's just different stories like that that are just really, really good and very Japanese, very Shinto. And they're very, very good. Uh, so if you like this type of folklore, definitely check out Mushishi. It's awesome, and it's on Hulu if you're in America. Both seasons. Actually. Thanks for suggesting something on Hulu. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, any other notes? Um. No, just now I know where Red Bull comes from, and this makes me happy. It's Austrian raccoons. Um, <laughs> Thank you, raccoons. Yes. For any oh, kind of but I, I, while we're on the topic of Shinto, the little star twins, Operation Twin oh, Star. Oh! Hey, hey, Kubrick! <laughs> where you got it from? <laughs> yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. And I love how at first they were like, who are you little girls? You know what is going on, and then they're running up the ceiling, and they're like, "Oh God, those aren't little girls." <laughs> but then, when and then the next scene where you see the elder fall over, 
and then you see the golden procession come down the cloud from the moon, and the moon princess and her entourage picks up his spirit out of his body, and then they go up and just, I know, I watched that episode of Sesame Street. I know what that means. That really hurts. Yeah. By the way, we'll see that again in another Takahata film. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, you will okay. see that again. Okay. And you'll see it in even more detail. Wait, will Tech see it again or will <laughs> I see it again? <laughs> yes. Yes. You get it? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. No, no. You both will see it. You both will okay. see it. Okay. Um, but it was such a beautiful touch. It was wonderfully drawn. Three people actually died drawing it. So do you guys <laughs> have any other uh, points you wanted to bring up? Don't watch this with kids. <laughs> yes, don't watch. This don't watch this with kid North American friendly. kids, no, no. unless you want to. Unless you want to have to answer a whole lot of questions. So about testicles, kids. I'm not related to. I think depending on the kid, it you could start them watching this at like 14. But if you're related to me, no, 18, 20, maybe, because <laughs> I'm not having some of these conversations. I think that I think if you had children that grew up either in Japan or in a house that was immersed in Japanese culture, I think that watch you could watch this a lot earlier, probably nine and ten. If a lot of this was something that you grew up with, if you understood what Tanuki were and the spirits and the seven gods of Shinto fortune, all the rest of it. But trying to watch this movie with my North American relatives would be a lot of what is that? What does that mean? What's a why does that snake lady have three heads? And- I could just imagine our niece like even watching this with us and having the explanation and then going to Nanu and, and talking about it and then us hearing third hand. No, I'm not dealing with that. What did you want to say, Jason? How did they have four cubs when they just fell down in the grass? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, those questions actually I don't have a problem with be fair i'm just saying like some parents might not be ready for that some parents might not be but, ready to be like hold on i have a we- i have a website that has another video of raccoon dogs that explains that. no 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 we're not going there um but uh, or at least i'm not sending my niece there um but i think i really don't want to have the conversations about all the deaths and explaining what well, what was that ship oh all right, I'm going to have to show you this episode. Well, of they Street. knew they couldn't live in the forest anymore, so yeah. they went off to paradise. No, I'm not lying to them either. That's a thing that I don't on magi- do. On a magical golden boat made out of an old man's scrotum. Yeah. Lying either. So oh we mentioned... The ticket, the ticket to paradise is an old man's scrotum. Studio Ghibli said it first. We Nope, 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 just... Disregard anything he said. Like the sarcasm in this movie, Tech <laughs> is very sarcastic. There, Never. There, there are a couple of times when the sarcasm is so dry in this movie, and you're like, they're saying the exact. Oh, okay, they're being sarcastic. Gotcha. But you know, as much as we say this is is a stark reality in this movie, there's some really funny parts. Like when their graduation for transformation school was to go out and make ten dollars, and the one dude was just like, "I'm gonna steal it from this donation box." Oh wait, but that that there was only a couple pennies in here, so I made ten bucks out of leaves. Here you go. Oh, I love the. I told you to go make ten dollars. I didn't mean it literally. Yeah, the girl. That was, should be a good thing though, because he actually used his transformation. I know. For something else. And yeah. then the one dude was like, "I would just go play pachinko." And the one is like, "Well, she works in a bar, but she spends all of her money on energy drinks so she can work at the bar." And then I started thinking, we all have jobs like that. Isn't that what a job is? Every single person has a 
that only pays the everybody gets that job, you know, Jason. Just that pays the bills so they can go back to work. Right. That yeah. that pays just enough money to put gas in your truck so you can commute the two hours to your job. Yeah. Yeah, you did that. We've and all done that. And by the way, isn't it. that essentially what a job is? To pay for yeah. this so I can go to work. You know, I mean it's yeah. Sorry, Again. kids. If you thought growing up and be and 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 becoming an adult was going to be a cool experience and that you could do whatever you wanted, yeah, no. Your parents get replaced by rent, utilities, uh, debts, Black, less sleep. Onto something um, even more depressing. Back to Palm Coco. Uh, so so uh, we we talked a lot about the cast, so we don't really need to get into that, but. Um, you know, we had Jonathan Taylor Thomas, we had Clancy Brown, we had J.K. Simmons, Tress McNeil, uh, you had uh, Brian Poston, is that how we say it? Yeah. Um, John DiMaggio, oh Kevin Michael Richardson. I mean, like, some of the real greats, and my hat's off to all of them. They created a wonderful experience. Um, you know, generally when I watch anime, I don't like dubbed versions, but the Ghibli movies have been, for the most part really good and once they worked out no no you're going to translate but not change my story with disney um they've been really great i kind of want to watch it again subtitled because the subtitled ends up being a direct translation of the japanese and i like seeing where the differences lie between the sub and the dub because it gives you a little bit more context we would have had to watch that on the computer to get the subtitle right but i think i think to watch it again if i was to watch it again i would watch it uh subbed to be fair, um, I'm a I'm a solid sub versus dub guy. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the Ghibli films, they have had superior dubs. Yeah. Um. I mean, in the original, they even they, their dubs are so good. The dub from the '90s mm-hmm. is what we're using now. Like this is the original dub from 1994. Yeah. The same thing for Princess Mononoke, and that's a dub that the, had they have the. the the best working voice actors in the world. Yeah. Dubbing this in English. Yeah. Absolutely. And they have people who you wouldn't think are great voice actors doing it. Because in Princess Mononoke, you've got Jada Pinkett Smith, yep. Billy Crudup, Jillian Anderson, and Billy Bob Thornton. He refrained so much from swearing, and I want to give you <laughs> applause for that. I normally wouldn't break the flow, but good for you. He was in that, and he was superb in that movie so i'm okay with these dubs i mean and to be fair that jk simmons is an oscar winner Mm. he's an oscar winner he's amazing and he's not even the best in this because again andre stotka is a classic disney voice actor like he's the voice of our childhood he's owl like clancy brown is freaking amazing in this Lex Luthor, the only Lex Luthor. JTT but, uh, is really amazing. But my, we have to talk about my favorite voice actor of all time. It's Tress McNeil is to, the queen. It's Tress McNeil. She is just the best in and the to, world. And wait for it. To be fair, Patrick, St- uh, Mark Hamill's been in two of these. Yeah. What the guy and, from Guyver? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to ratings. Um. So we're gonna we're gonna do ratings. Should I show the ratings on the screen? Let's bring it up on the videotape. This isn't going to help for the people at home, but yeah, let's let's just add this. Uh, Suck it, people at home. 
Now, Tech, you'll have to explain this because just like you had to explain it to that poor, innocent, sweet 13-year-old girl that you made cry, you big meanie. I didn't make her cry. I made her rage quit and storm out of the room in anger. Rage quit life. Okay, so we've got right here, it's kind of small on the screen, but it's it's filling up the screen right now, so nobody's seeing what we look like. Uh, but our rating system is from 0 to 10, 0 being horrifying and 10 being sublime. So it goes 1, dreadful, 2, tedious, 3, boring, 4, mediocre, 5, average, 6, solid, 7, exceptional, 8, dazzling, 9, penultimate, and 10, sublime. You give Princess Mononoke a 3 out of 10, and apparently I scar people for life, okay? The thing is, is that remember that average is 5 out of 10. If we do our job correctly, our average score across all of these movies should be a 5, because there should be some... But they are yeah. they are better than your average bear. Yeah. But the problem that a lot of reviewers get into is that now when you're reviewing things, you get between a seven out of nine, or, or you get three or four stars. Yeah, and if you go at six, people are like, "Oh, what's wrong with you?" No, yeah, yeah, six yeah. is six is still a good. So story remember that five means it's as good as everything else that's out there. It's not a bad flick. So if I give your movie a five, it's not that I hated it; it's that I thought it was good. All right, Tech, what do you rate this? I give this an 8 out of 10. Okay. 8 or out of 10. 80%. 8 out of 10 pouches. <laughs> so would that be 16? <laughs> no, not what's in the pouches, just the pouches themselves. Okay, here's the here's my rationale. Every movie starts off with a perfect score. Once the opening credits are done, everybody has the same chance and you lose marks from there. So, they lost 1 point four way too many pouches for me to show this movie to my nieces and nephews because it's okay. it's a little weird with the Shinto. So and that's not gay panic. It's it's you you really wanted to show this to your nieces and nephews and, and you can't. And I can't. Okay. I, I, I will gladly show them Totoro in a couple Fair. of years when they can deal with the fact that a mother's dying of tuberculosis mm-hmm. and we get to watch the almost death of a child. Um, and we, the other one, the- they get a massive, massive minus one for the amen because it just it threw me out so hard when everything else in this movie, the animation, the backgrounds, the voice cast is the best in the world. The music is amazing. I've had this entire time we've been talking, the theme song from the end credits stuck in my head. This this movie is it is the best of what Ghibli does, and if this is what Takahata brings to the screen, bring it, except Grave of the Fireflies. I'm not watching it. But uh, every everything else, let's... Uh Man, bring on more movies because this, this, I, I liked, I had fun with this. This was, this was a good movie. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I am, you know, I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10 sarcastic queen raccoons, which is Tress McNeil. Um, I've got to be in the right window. Here we go. Wait, is this one of those moments where I'm supposed to notice that you're posing and that I, I just have to tell you that I think you're pretty? <laughs> No, no, no. Uh-oh. Too late. But tech. that's great. Too late, tech. <laughs> oh. So, I missed it. <laughs> 8.5 out of 10 sarcastic raccoons. Um, I really like this. This movie made me feel things. While... Not feelings. Uh, it did not. Uh, there were parts that were joy and there were parts that were heartbreak. But it was like one of those good heartbreaks. Like, I really think... 
everyone should watch this movie at least once. I think it's an important movie. I think it's important that you look at the metaphors and you I mean, it is relevant today as it was in the 90s, as it was, you know, probably in the 60s. In any time, we need to look at uh, stories like this. So I think that it was really important. Um, I will admit to cheating that I just didn't want to rate it as high as Kiki. But I was thinking nine and I'm like, but not as high as Kiki. So uh, uh, same as Porco Rosso. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Jen, Jason? So I'm going to have to give this one a seven. Okay. Um, so I've known about this movie for a very long time. This is only the second time that I have watched it. <laughs> um, it is a very realistic movie, which I appreciate. But it does have a lot of sad parts. Like I, I have issues with the whole like roadkill part. It's uh, really hard to watch. So is this 7 out of 10 road kills? 7 out of 10 tempuras. Ooh. Oh, oh tempura. Because they need to take that trash out, but they need to leave that picnic there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take it with you. <laughs> leave the tempura. <laughs> Again, leave this it. is such a stark reality, but folks really land. They're really and good. The You're right, Jen. You know, the, the, this this has some graphic realism in it, but I think... I think it works. I think it works really, really well that, you know, yeah, they are these cutesy poo anthropomorphized little raccoon people. But at the end of the day, when it gets hit by a truck, it's just a dead Tanuki. And it's dead because it's my fault because I'm on his land. You know, that's that's like I said, (sighs) I totally appreciate the realism of it. Mm. Yeah. Totally appreciate, you know, the whole like story behind it. But it does still leave. In the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, you know, that raccoon's dead because of, you know, a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm in a, you know, so. And you can't, you can't watch that too often. And there's that one line where it's like, mom, a raccoon. Oh, wow. Raccoons don't really come this close to the city. Oh, uh, no. You built your city in their <laughs> home. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Jason. So I have only watched this and this will, this will tell you. I've only seen this three times. Hmm. I've only seen Grave of the Fireflies three times. I will have seen it a fourth time when I rewatch it for this. You heard it first. Jason hates Takahata movies. He only watches them three times. <laughs> and so I will have to give this just a little bit higher than Jen. Uh, I'll give it a seven and a half golden raccoon boats to paradise um and it's and it's because as much as i as much as i as much as i like this movie it does not have a a rewatchability like it's a movie that you can watch and you're like okay i'll i'll hold that off for a while um and then you can come back to it maybe later um grave of the fireflies is even more so even though i know i'm going to give grave of the fireflies a much higher rating than this um, and I think that is the one problem I will give this. I feel like because it doesn't have the rewatchability or the the range of people who can watch it, because you have to basically be like, you know what, I'm, this is probably not for somebody who's below the age of sixteen. Like, yeah, because this is just going to provoke a lot of questions about death, about sex, about mm-hmm. just the rights that we humans take as individuals on this planet. And what we do with it. Um, yeah, I think you're right at putting it at 16 for a North American audience because less than that, you just devolve into snickering instead of paying attention to the message. Yeah. Um, uh, so this gives us an overall score of 7.8. 
uh, for this movie, which is, which is quite good, I think. Um, it, it, it's on the higher end of the, the movies that we've looked at. So we're doing well. Um, I think I can say we all really enjoy this. And if you're watching this live, you can see the uh, Excel sheet. And if you're not watching this live, if you just go to nimlast.org and you go to see our show notes on the actual episode, there is a link to the Google spreadsheet. So you can always come in and see what we're going to be watching next, what we rated things, and you can even see our rating systems. Looking back across the movies, Mm -hmm. all the way back to Nausicaa, Mm -hmm. the newbies have consistently outscored the veterans mm. where we have ranked them higher so and then it was it was nausicaa where the vets outscored us and then they just blew us out of the water because they love mononoke and that was just a rolling dumpster fire of trash no no movie jason fire. loves uh-huh. mononoke okay no, I, right because mononoke. then i had to put up with hugh and i had to crush two True. little girls in, an, in a live True. Theater. in 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 that episode we did have extra extra right. people we, we also had, had greg and oh, yeah Okay. So to also be fair, to also be fair, I'm also not I'm not curating my my picks, but I know when my high marks are coming. Yeah, you're Um, reserving. (laughs) But but I but I have to say this so Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo only yesterday, and Pompoco, you guys all ranked lower than we did. So you're you're reserving for movies that you know are coming up. You guys are more or, conservative. Or the or the other question is, has your esteem of those movies gone down over time? So for me, it's it's one of those things that I love all these movies. Even though I know I hate I don't I shouldn't say hate. Whisper the Heart is my absolutely <laughs> favorite one of these. It's Yeah, why we I know. Did- You're wrong, but we know. <laughs> <laughs> it's my least favorite. And it's also to me, it's far less watch rewatchable for me, even compared to this. But there are others, and Mononoke is one of them, which is why I gave it such a high ranking. I've watched Mononoke more times than I can count. I don't have to see that movie to tell you what's going on. You give me that movie with my eyes closed, and I can literally. Which is why to- you could fall asleep while we were watching it and still know Absolutely. what was going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so next so- time, next time, I'm just. Pushing along. I'm going to steamroll. Uh, next time, we're going to come back and watch My Neighbor, the Yamadas. Now, Tech and I were spoiled on the credits and the 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 very like first scene before we realized, I don't think this is only yesterday um, <laughs> because we started watching we had it. The, we had the of, wrong movie loaded. Yeah, we had the wrong movie loaded. So uh, we are going to go in and we're going to finish My Neighbor, the Yamadas, which is a Takahata. Can you say was- that again? You were muted. Yes, that was Takahata's first movie since this movie. Okay, so he did this movie, and then he was like, let's do My Neighbor, they, the Yamadas. They put him back in his cage, okay. and he came out, and he made My Neighbors the Yamadas. Now, we resorted. Well, originally, we were going to go in order, uh, <sighs> not counting Totoro, but then we resorted our uh, list. So if you're wondering, what is this weird list and watching order? Because we decided we didn't want a bunch of sad movies together. Uh, So this tells me that this is not going to be a sad movie. So just because it's Takahata doesn't mean it's going to be a sad movie. So that's good to know. I will again, I will really like to hear what you guys think in the contrast, because again, you've seen only yesterday. Mm -hmm. Now you've seen Boko. So now you finally get to see Takahata do something that to be fair I didn't think he could do. 
because yeah. at this point he had never made anything. I think the so, two or three minutes that I watched with the very simplistic line drawing. Oh, style, I fell in love with the art. Yeah, the art style is weird. It's completely different than anything else, but it means that it's just there to be charming. That the worth of this movie is going to be in the writing and the acting. So that means it's it's going to be amazing. If it's anything like, well. They don't know how they don't know how to put out a stinker except for Mononoke, but that's just my opinion. They don't they, they don't do stinkers. They work really Even Mononoke while it was not our favorite. No, they killed a thousand animators. It, it, and it, it has value. It was an art film. We we can still appreciate it. Right. I gave it average, okay? But to be, now also to be fair, Tech, think about it this way. I, I bring this up every time we talk about Yamadas. It had the same budget as Spirited Away. That won Miyazaki his Oscar. So, mm. so the movie we're about to watch, and you've already seen that simplistic art style, had the same budget. Now, as Spirit Away. I can't recall because what? because it was a while ago. Was that Oscar for Spirit Away? Was that for Best, best Animated? Yeah. Best, okay. Yeah, Best Animated Motion Picture. Wait, I want to say it was either for Best. I think it was best animated motion picture because I think the that was the year they made it so that they could have so that people weren't complaining that things like Spirited Away weren't winning because they were putting them up against you know live action pictures and things because they remember they used to not have a best animated motion picture and I've got five movies to go till the wind rises yes <laughs> so let's get on it what so what are the what are the five so we got my neighbors the Yamadas. the cat returns tales from earth sea the secret world of arietti from up on poppy hill and then the wind rises now uh, tales from earth sea does that have anything that doesn't have anything to do with the book series it's miyazaki's attempt at it really i gotta yep. wa- i gotta read the book then i it's on my to read list and i know a it's a series set. A mm-hmm. lot of people were upset because people feel like it didn't do what it was supposed to do, just like they did with the TV series and, and everything like that. But yeah, you give me Miyazaki in a fantasy world with dragons, I'm cool with it. Yeah. So um, the an adaptation. So yeah, we had a dragon in this movie, and he was green with red spinities and was all awesome with a Shinto priest on his head. Rory was very happy with all of this. Yeah. Um, I there were there were I love Ursula K. Lagoon. I love the way that she writes, but I never read the Earthsea books. So they're on my list. I just need to read them. By the way, did you guys see the art of Rory as a sumo wrestler? Yes. Yes. Speaking of. He's so fat and happy. Speaking of, Nutty, what kind of Rory merchandise can we buy today? (laughs) Well, (laughs) not exactly today. Uh, So if. Stop it. (laughs) So, um, yes, soon ish. Uh,. I have, if you, if you've been listening, you know that every year for 40 days, oh, oh, we've got, uh, Jason holding up his, uh, Rory pin that all of the patrons got as a reward this year, regardless of level. So $1 and up all got a physical reward this year, which was just a bonus. That's what I do. Last year I sent, um, uh, you're not on mic. Uh, Last year, I sent uh, postcards. This year, I sent out pins. I'm never sending pins again, but I'm glad that I did it once. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was fun. So for 40 days, I will be, uh, I have been, I've already started. I draw something new. I create a piece of art every single day. Um, and for most of those days, I think I've missed one so far. 
Uh, I streamed it. I streamed it on Twitch. So if you're watching this on Twitch, come back, follow along. You can, you can watch me draw. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, if, if you're not watching this and you're listening to this at home, uh, and you like to watch Twitch, you can do that as well. You can watch me on Twitch. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing. And at the end, of this, I will scan everything and I will uh, offer them up as uh, prints or original art. Uh, I will say that patrons of $5 or more get to select a piece of artwork once a year. So being a patron of $5 or more, you get, you can say, oh, give me a piece of art. So that that is definitely um, an option. Uh, so while we're talking about patrons... I would like to thank all of our patrons who make the Nutty Bites podcast and Intro to Ghibli possible because what that does is uh, that 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 lets us uh, create more podcasts for you. So we would like to thank Jax. Thank you very much, Aaron Jackson. Uh, we would like to thank Jason. Thanks, Daddy. We would like to thank two separate marks. Cabot, thank you so much. And you have heard him on this podcast before. Uh, and thank you to the encaffeinated one. Audio chocolate himself. Uh, thank you Indeed. to Suzanne. Hmm? Indeed, audio chocolate. Him and David Robinson need to talk. They just they have. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, thank you to Susanna. Thank you to Andy Luke. You've also heard him on this podcast. Uh, thank you to Shane, number one fan Shane. Thank you to the Radical Geek. Thank you to Justine, who you can also hear, uh, not hear, you can also watch a stream on Twitch. Uh, it's Aurora Lee and then some numbers. Uh, thank you to Mike of the Redacted Files podcast. Uh, thank you to Steve Pritchard. Thank you to Kinsey. Thank you to Ken Kennedy. Thank you to Greg Larson. Thank you to Patrick Scafido. Thank you to Will. I think they just finished up Spartacast or they're about to finish up Spartacast. Go check that out. Thank you to Rich the TT, to Ian, uh, Harold, Melissa Bartell, the bathtub mermaid, to Lynette McFadden. Hmm? I was saying you can find her on the Tales from the Tub. Yes, by going to bathtubmermaid.com. Jason's favorite. It's it's a secret. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell anyone. Uh, thank you to Susan. Thank you to Zachman. And thank you to Dagny, who, who donates not through Patreon, but through PayPal, which is also available. But if you are on Patreon, make sure you go to your Patreon page. Make sure you get that RSS link because you get the extra episodes and you get the episodes earlier. But also, there's a wallpaper for your phone waiting for you. And Rory has a special message for you on that wallpaper. Anything else? Is there anything else we need to talk about? Have I covered everything? Oh, I think you can. Where where can people get your podcast? Yeah, yeah, that thing. So you can find everything that we do. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I would like to thank Jen for always being here to do this thing with me because I drag her along kicking and screaming, and she's playing hurt today. Um, mind you, it's also my fault that she's playing hurt because she kind of. Jen, we love you. So might have sort of called, I love called. y'all too. I wouldn't be here otherwise. Aww. But uh, you can find everything we do over at nerdswithvoices.com. You can find us on Facebook in our Facebook group at Nerds with Voices. And you can find us on Twitter at Nerds with Voices. Because remember, at Nerds with Voices, everyone has a voice. 
And recently up there, you've got an episode about season oh, one yeah. of Red Dwarf, where you and Shane talked about it, which was a really good episode. Shane is an expert. He's awesome. Yes. Like, if I have just, I'm going to just be fair. If I have any questions about British something or other, I'm just going to go to Shane. Like, cause he's got 80 books on it. Like, yeah. I've decided that his library of books covers everything British sci fi television ever. Like, there's so much Shane knows that you just, don't even I, know. I need to challenge this. I want to challenge, challenge Shane on Britishisms. And actually, I, Shane's town is right behind me just over the print oh it's the wrong month though i need to switch it to march that's right still on february he got us a calendar of the best views of sirenchester yes yes by the way i'm gonna i i have a he sent me a british cookbook um so there's a there's a rabbit dish in it that i want to make okay i'm listening so so there may be fried eggs and head meat for 38 chapters and on that note (laughs) so thank you so much everybody for listening to nutty bites you can contact us there will be an outro with all of that information um and come back and next time we probably won't be talking about ghibli we'll be talking about something else just as equally nerdy so talk to you real soon bye this is not the podcast promo you're looking for because aurora lee is not a podcaster She wouldn't even record her own ad. She's a travel photographer who also enjoys a bit of geeky experimentation. Lego, Star Wars, minifig, Valentine's, anyone? Like many other creatives, she wants to share her physical art with everyone. But also, maybe not go broke doing it. Support her over on Patreon, and she'd love to send you art for you, your wall, and even your friends. You can support her at patreon.com slash Justine MacDonald photos, or you can watch her stream as she creates art live on twitch.tv slash Aurora Lee 1013. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash Nukejoss, or call 347-Nutty42.